Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR Radio, 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, your talk radio. Uh, I often forget to acknowledge the song that we open the show with. That is the beginning of the song that my daughter, Tara Bay Bedford, wrote um, and it's called We Can't Do This Forever. It's a beautiful song. You can pull it up on YouTube. Um, type in We Can't Do This Forever, Tara, and it's under her name, Tara, and it's it's amazing. Uh, you'll know it's her by the beautiful redhead picture of her on the on the uh, album, on the CD. Uh, so anyway, I thank her for letting us use her song to open up our show. Okay, uh, we are going to talk about patterns today because what I see often in my private practice of 30 plus years um, is that people develop unhealthy patterns and reckless patterns and destructive patterns and often when people come into therapy what they're saying to me is I keep doing this or I keep doing it over and over again and what are the things that people do over and over again? What are the unhealthy patterns that I see or that people do? Um, the things like self-sabotaging behavior, uh, just self-destructive behaviors, either with their health or their career or in relationships. Uh, it's not unusual for me to hear things like, um, in every relationship I've had, I end up sabotaging it by something, getting angry or cheating or uh, turning off to the person and not liking them anymore. Um, I can't seem to continue to keep loving somebody, and I don't know why. So they'll come in recognizing they have a bad pattern, but they don't quite know how to stop it or to change it or to not do it. Even when they say, I'm not going to do that again, it happens. Uh, I see people do a lot of financial mismanagement. Um, how often, if you have a financial problem and a financial destructive pattern, how often do you run up your credit cards, pay them off, say you're never going to do that again, uh, start charging things again or get out of whack financially or uh, the money you were putting aside to replace the tires on your car gets spent on something frivolous and then you're like, oh, no, that's not going to work. So financial mismanagement is a big one that I see too. Um, and a huge one that I see is when people tell me they repeatedly pick bad partners. Now, bad meaning dysfunctional. Um, they have a pattern of picking the same type of partner that does not help augment who they are as a person or is destructive for them. And they'll come into therapy saying, why do I keep doing this over and over again? The other destructive pattern that I often see is people that have low self-esteem that really don't like themselves or don't respect themselves or think that they are broken or dysfunctional and they feel pretty badly about themselves. And when that happens, they tend to do a pattern of behavior that is destructive to their life. So it's really important to be able to learn what your patterns are because learning to effectively identify, handle, and communicate the different emotions that go along with life, with all of life upsets and the things that we deal with, are the keys to creating healthy patterns of behavior. 
If you don't understand what you feel and why you feel it, you're going to tend to do things that are just by rote, by habit. So our patterns end up having a whole lot of habit energy in them. And even when we have good intentions of wanting to break that and do something differently, we don't all the time. So I want to explain to you that how aware you are of yourself, how emotionally developed you are, is a real foundation for how you can see what your patterns are. So in this show today, we're going to talk about emotional development. I want you to recognize where you are in your development. And then I'm going to teach you what an unhealthy pattern of behavior looks like. At the end of the show, I want in the last section, I want to teach you what a healthy pattern of behavior looks like and how you can begin to change your unhealthy patterns into a healthy pattern and do something differently to make your life better for yourself. So let's talk for a minute about emotional development. What I've done, if you've if you've read my book Therapy in a Nutshell, um, you can you can order it on Amazon. But I'm offering today on this show. If you email me at Dr. Patty D R P A T T Y at patriciabay.com. If you email me and tell me what you've learned from Therapy in a Nutshell, or what you like about the show, or something that lets me know that you've been engaged with this. And if you have any ideas for topics you'd love to see me cover, I put that in there. But if you give me your email, I will email you back a way to download my book for free, the Audible book that I'm reading. I read the book. So you can get Therapy in a Nutshell and you can listen to it. So if you email me, and I'll repeat that by the end of the show too, um, you can read about emotional development in Therapy in a Nutshell. So let's talk about the different stages of development because I see people come in all the time. And what I'm doing as a psychologist is looking for how developed are they? What basically can they do or not do? So looking at a beginning level of emotional development, I call it it level one. Somebody comes in and they have little ability to identify their feelings. Um, They can maybe usually say that they're angry or they're frustrated, but they often can't say much more than that. Sometimes they can say if they're happy or excited. Um, They have difficulty talking about personal issues. They have difficulty accepting responsibility for their own mistakes and behavior. They often tend to blame others or look for excuses. Uh, They have a lot of defense mechanisms going. They often feel forced into changing. These are the people that are often dragged into therapy by their spouse or forced into therapy by court order. They don't really want to be there. They feel like they have to be there. So that's kind of a a beginning level of emotional development. And then if they start to grow and they start to change a little bit, and what I'm working with them on in therapy is to become a little more developed, they they end up with some ability to identify their feelings in this next level. This I call level two. There's... They have little or no ability to talk about the feelings, but they can start to identify them. They have little ability to create positive emotional changes, and they sometimes seek out therapy because they're in a lot of pain and they're hurting, but they often don't know what is theirs to deal with and what they're blaming on the rest of the world. So a little more ability to identify feelings than somebody who's at a real beginning level of emotional development. So let's look at the next level, level three. They can express most of their feelings, 
They have uh, a little deeper understanding and awareness about what they're feeling. They have a little more willingness to talk about feelings and emotions. And they have some skills to communicate effectively and little, little more healthy ability to say, I've got this problem. I need to change it. This is how it makes me feel. So by level three, we're getting somebody in therapy who can start to create changes. So sometimes what therapy is about is taking somebody from that very beginning level of emotional development into expanding that a little bit so they grow a little more and have the next level. And then by the time they get to this third level of development, you can start to get them to recognize their own patterns without blaming it on the rest of the world. Then when you get somebody to go into like this next level, um, what I call level four, these are people that have an excellent ability to identify their feelings. They have pretty open communication skills. Um, they're often in therapy to fine-tune a problem. They can come in and they can say this and this and this is going on in my life, and they've got a pretty good expression of that. Uh, but I've got a problem in this one area, and I need some help. So level four people are, are really fun to work with. They um, have a lot of emotional development, and they spend zero time on denial and avoidance and resistance in therapy. Level one people, the first part of therapy is often getting through that denial and resistance. So then once level four people want to grow more, they want to have more communication skills. They want to go into this kind of advanced level of emotional development, kind of, I call it level five. Um, they see the more spiritual side of things. Um, they want to communicate effectively. They see that there are lessons in adversity. They are interested in looking at what is it they want to learn from that and go even further. So if you put yourself into those levels of emotional development, think about where you are and where you can grow to. And what's cool is if you read that in my book, you can really understand those and kind of set a roadmap for yourself to keep growing emotionally. All right, we have to go to break. When we come back, I want to talk more about what an unhealthy pattern of behavior is. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. You are listening to The Eagle Sings from Randy McGinnis' CD, Ancient Voices of the Smoky Mountains. Uh, Randy McGinnis is a Native American flutist who has won numerous awards, played all over the world. And his CD, Ancient Voices, are um, ancient Cherokee prayer songs. Randy is Cherokee Native, speaks the language fluently, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and his voice, his CD, Ancient Voices, is just beautiful. He has six CDs. You can go to his website, randymcginnis.com, and check out all six of his CDs. And you can purchase them there on the website, or you can go to Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, CD Baby, all those places to buy a CD. We appreciate him allowing us to use his music on this show. It's just beautiful. Okay, we are talking about patterns. This is Dr. Patty. And you're listening to Therapy in a Nutshell. And we're talking about patterns of behavior. So I want to draw a, a pattern for you. And I want you, to, I want you to be able to see it so clearly in your mind that you can draw it on paper. Um, so an unhealthy pattern of behavior always starts with feeling okay. Life is all right. Things are going along. You're doing all right. You're not upset about anything. 
So I start with that neutral space. You're feeling okay. Then what happens is there is an event or an upset. Something happens. Someone hurts your feelings. There's a a disaster. um, There's a physical thing that happens. Something happens that makes you go, ugh. Okay? So there's an event or an upset. What happens after that, and you're drawing, a, you're doing a circle, and you're going around to the right. So you've driven, you've drawn like a big circle on your piece of paper. Starts with feeling okay, and the next thing that happens is an event or an upset. Then what happens from the event or upset is that you have difficult feelings. And as we describe the emotional levels of development in the first part of the show, you can see that if you are not very emotionally developed, this is where you start to get stuck. When there's an event or an upset, what do you feel? If all you're able to say is you're angry or you're frustrated or it's somebody else's fault and you're all ticked off, you're not really developed. Okay? And, I, and I'm and not trying to be antagonistic or hurtful, but if all you can say all the time is I'm angry or frustrated or look what somebody did to me, blaming someone else and feeling like a victim... That's not very emotionally developed. You get real stuck right there in your difficult feelings. Then what happens when you have difficult feelings is you start to mobilize your defense mechanisms. Either, um, and think of some of the healthy ones or the unhealthy ones. In my book, Therapy in a Nutshell, I really define some of the defense mechanisms and you can see what you use. In fact, um, that reminds me, I should do a whole show on defense mechanisms because that would be powerful. I've been making a note so I don't forget. Um, so defense mechanisms such as avoidance or blame or um, projection, it's, you know, it's putting your feelings onto somebody else or denial. I mean, there's a whole lot of things you can do when you have difficult feelings. If you can stop and see them or hold them or feel them differently and do something about them, that's what you can learn how to do in a healthy pattern. But in an unhealthy pattern of behavior, you are feeling okay. There's an event or an upset, and then there's difficult feelings, and then you have to do something with those difficult feelings. So what happens are defense mechanisms. Once you're into your defense mechanisms, the more unhealthy they are and the more extravagant your defense mechanisms are, the more you're going to act out with unhealthy behaviors, destructive behaviors, destructive to others, destructive to yourself. Acting out is about trying not to feel those defense mechanisms or get rid of them or blame them on somebody else. Acting out is um, having it like a temper tantrum. Okay, and sometimes it even looks like a temper tantrum. There's a word that is often used in the UK, and that's called having a wobbly and a wobbly is a temper tantrum. And I just love that word because it's like wobble, 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 wobble. I'm wobbling all over the place with my intense emotions and I don't know what to do with them. So you've had difficult feelings from this event. You've formed a bunch of defense mechanisms. And now you're trying to act out and get away from those feelings by either blaming or acting out or feeling like a victim and feeling really upset and sad or angry or something. So then once you've acted out, then you have a change of feelings. Now you feel something about how you've acted out. And then once you've had a change of feelings, 
then you can begin to justify what your unhealthy behaviors were so that you can go back to feeling okay. So let me put this into an example. You're feeling okay. Everything's going all right. You know, nothing's really wrong. And there's an event or an upset. And let's say the event is that your partner does something to make you feel jealous or untrusting or upset. Um, And so let me give you an exact example. What I hear often in my office uh, with couples is um, mainly women will say that their men have this thing I call head whipping behavior where some pretty girl will walk by and he'll be like, whoa, and whipping his head around. And she'll feel disrespected or upset or intimidated or um, sometimes it'll make her feel like she's not comparing to that young pretty thing that walked by and she'll feel insecure. And that head whipping behavior will bring up a whole lot of difficult feelings. So you're feeling okay. You're sitting there in a restaurant. Some cute young thing walks by and he whips his head around and then he tries not to look. And then you see him looking and you're starting to feel something funny. And you've got difficult feelings. Now, insecure, feeling jealous, feeling less than, feeling like you're being disrespected, feeling like he's being immature. Why would he do that? So all these difficult feelings start rolling around. Then the defense mechanism that you might mobilize is, I'm going to get cold and distant. I'm going to pull away from you. I don't like you right now because I'm feeling not good about what you just did, and I'm going to get silent, or I'm going to glare at you, or I'm going to get angry and irritable, or I'm going to tell you off, or I'm going to something. Pull away, be angry, frustrated, hurt, cry, uh, silent, um, or even just hold it inside and say nothing because you don't want to look insecure, but inside you're churning. So the difficult feelings have to go somewhere and they go into your defense mechanisms, either trying not to feel or feeling extensively what's happening. And then how do these feelings get acted out? Let's say that you order a second glass of wine as you're sitting there at the table because you want to try and calm these feelings down. And we all know that when we have the second glass of wine, that's when the feelings come out, right? That's when you start to uh, loosen your tongue and whatever you were going to say starts to come out. So the acting out behavior might involve alcohol or too much alcohol or silence or uh, looping on it and can't stop thinking about it. So the acting out behavior then can make you feel worse. Now I feel like I was nagging and ragging. Now I feel like I looked really insecure. His behavior made me act like that and I don't like myself, which makes me really not like him because of what he did that made me feel that way. Are you following it? This is the unhealthy pattern of behavior. So now you feel differently. Now you feel embarrassed for how you acted out. Now you wish that you didn't feel that way. Then you start thinking, gosh, why... Why do I get so jealous? Why do why do I even care? It's just guys do that. What a, you know, any friend will tell me, well, come on, he's just a guy. You know guys do that. And you're like, no, really classy men don't do that. 
So you're going round and round with the feelings. You feel justified. Then you feel angry at yourself. And you're starting to think, what's wrong with me? Which makes you more angry at him because if he hadn't done that, you wouldn't be feeling like this. So then you start to feel justified in your behavior. Well, you know, it was disrespectful. I I can feel this way. You know, he needs to stop that kind of behavior. Then you might try to have a rational talk with him and make it go away so that you can say, all right, you know, I was justified in feeling upset, wasn't I? You ask 10 girlfriends, wouldn't you be upset if your guy did that? And half of them are saying, yeah, I mean, I, I hate that too. And another one's going, oh, that's just guys. And you hear all the thought process on this. It started with that tiny event or upset that led to all these feelings, to this acting out, to this feeling really bad about yourself, to trying to find justifications for your feelings so that you can go back to feeling okay. And maybe you go back to feeling okay because he says, I know, I don't, I'm sorry, I need to not do that anymore. Uh, I'll, I'll try really hard and I'm not going to do that anymore. And so then you can go back to feeling okay. And all you're doing when you ingrain this pattern of unhealthy behavior is you are ready to mobilize that same set of behaviors again as soon as the event or upset happens or something similar. Anything that makes you feel disrespected, insecure, uncertain, not trusting, fearful that you're going to get burned again like other people in your life have burned you. So the unhealthy pattern of behavior is ingrained in your emotional development, it's ingrained in your history and traumas that you've been through in your life. It's colored by your crayons because we can only color our life with the crayons that are in our own box. We can't color it with somebody else's box of crayons. That's an analogy that's in therapy in a nutshell as well. So you can read about that or listen to it in the book. But this unhealthy pattern of behavior will harm you over and over again if you don't get a handle on it. So what we're going to do is I want you to really be able to write that down. And that that pattern is actually drawn out in my book, Therapy in a Nutshell. So you can look at it and see what I'm talking about and go through it for yourself. And you can listen to um, this. The radio show gets put onto my podcast. So you can listen to it with the podcast and stare at the drawing and really get a handle on this. Once you begin to recognize your level of emotional development, what you bring to the table to deal with your own patterns of behavior and to identify where the unhealthy pattern is for you, then you can begin to change it. All right, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about how we get stuck in our unhealthy patterns of behavior by looking at the past and letting it run our behavior. We'll be back in a minute. I'm going to tell you a story. A Cherokee elder was teaching his young grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is angry, envious. He has sorrow and regret, greed and arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment. 
Infiord, infi- <laughs> he feels insecure. He lies. He has false pride, superiority, self-doubt, and a very large ego. The other wolf is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity. This wolf has humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandfather said to his grandson, This same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person as well. The boy thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, Grandfather, which wolf will win? And the grandfather looked at his grandson and simply replied, The one you feed. The behavior that we feed, the behavior that we give energy to and we do over and over again, creates habit energy inside of us. And that behavior is what we will recreate over and over again until we learn how to do it differently. Until we learn how to stop and say, why do I have this pattern? Now, let's look at that from a different way for a minute. We want to we want to notice that our past can really influence who we are and how we do things. But we don't always have to know exactly what it is or why. Like let's say that you don't trust partners. When you're in a relationship, you feel like you can't trust who your partner is or you can't trust their authenticity, or that they will stay. Let's say you've been abandoned many times in your life, or you've been burned and hurt and betrayed many times in your life. You don't always have to know exactly why and how that happened. In identifying dysfunctional patterns in your life, you need to say, you know, I have a history of not trusting. I have a history of people abandoning me. I have a history of relationships being dysfunctional. And I want to look at my part and how those relationships were chosen and how they kept going and what did I bring to the dysfunctional, unhealthy pattern of those relationships. So when we spend too much time standing in the here and now and facing backwards, facing our past and being very attached to how and why we've been hurt and how and why and if that's going to happen again in our life, we could get really stuck staring at the past and it totally wrecks our here and now because we can't enjoy the love or the consistency or the good things that we have right here in the here and now because we're constantly afraid that what has manifested for us in the past is going to repeat itself. And I don't say that lightly, because a lot of people have been through some really nasty traumas and really painful hurts, and they are highly focused on those never happening to them again. I wish it worked that way. So if you find yourself staring in the past at how and why you were hurt, it's important for you to know that, because that can be the fuel for your unhealthy pattern of behavior. 
So let's take a look at that for a minute in terms of that unhealthy pattern. When there's an event or upset, you are going to color that event with your experiences because you've got crayons in your box from things you've been through. So you're going to pull out a crayon that matches people hurt me or I've been betrayed again or I've been left again. I've been abandoned again. And you've got crayons in your box that say that and feel that. So there's an event or an upset where you feel like someone has betrayed you. And because you are highly focused on what's happened to you in the past, you pull those crayons out and you color this event with that. And that is what creates the difficult feelings. Now, you feel justified because you've been hurt in the past. And part of you is saying, oh, here we go again. This is happening again. And you might even find yourself justifying it with all men do this or all women do this. Or there, it's impossible to have a relationship that has truth and honesty. So if we look at it with the analogy of the two wolves, which wolf are you feeding? You're feeding the wolf that you are certain is going to bite you. It is the evil wolf and the bad wolf. And you are focused on that. Now, I'm not saying all of a sudden you're going to forget your past. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes we wish it did, but it doesn't. We go through these adverse things so that we learn lessons. If you listen to my podcast from last week called Earth School, you'll understand what I'm talking about. We are here on Earth to learn difficult lessons. We go through adversity to put crayons in our box so we can evolve, right? But what we don't want is for those adverse lessons we have gone through to totally take the joy out of our here and now. And that's what happens when we've been burned in the past, when we've been abandoned or betrayed or harmed in some way or traumatized by evil people that have harmed our our body or our mind. And what happens is we start to color our now, our here and now, and color our future with the possibility of more of that pain. What I hope for us and what I try to help people do in therapy is figure out what are the crayons in their box from those old traumas and to begin to learn how not to pull that out to color a current situation today. And that's what happens in our unhealthy pattern of behavior. We're feeling okay. Something happens that reminds us of what we've been through sometimes many times before. And we have all those difficult feelings come rushing in. So take this analogy that we're standing in the here and now, staring at the past and thinking, here we go again. I'm being abandoned again. Or I'm being betrayed again. Or this person is like all fill in the blank. All men, all bosses, all uh, mothers, all whatever your thing is that you have decided those are a group of people that harm you. That's you pulling out your old crayons and coloring the current situation with those old traumas. So those are the difficult feelings you begin to feel, and you feel justified in doing so because you have been through those adverse situations. So when we look at the spiritual concept that we are here on earth to go through adversity to learn lessons, what if those lessons didn't destroy the joy that we're possibly given in the here and now and in the future? 
That's what we're working toward. Um, by the last section of the show, too, I'm going to I'm going to teach you how to do this in a healthier manner. But for right now, I really want you to look at how stuck in the past are you. How much do you stand right here in your here and now and stare backwards at everything that's happened to you? And how much do you anticipate that those things in the past are going to repeat themselves in your future? That's where a lot of the difficult feelings come from. So then if you go back to those bad patterns that you feel like you've developed of picking dysfunctional people in your life or um, rescuing people so much that you uh, can't do anything for yourself or uh, putting yourself down enough that you never get anywhere in your career, uh, those are dysfunctional patterns of behavior. And those can help recreate those dysfunctional things that happened to you in the past. It doesn't mean it's your fault, but it means that the pattern is repeating. Okay? So what we're looking at is what are our patterns? What do we do that helps this repeat itself? So when I teach you the healthy pattern of behavior, you're going to see where the thought process begins to change to change it for yourself. So, let's take another example of an unhealthy pattern of behavior. Um, this is an example of my husband that died, Rich, and he he would laugh if I were sharing this with you because he told a lot of people this. So I'm not even speaking ill of him because I wouldn't. <laughs> he was amazing. We were together 39 years, so we got together when we were very young, and for a long time. Rich had a habit of not following through with anything. Uh, he'd say he was going to do something, and he'd forget. Um, and I always, we had this thing where I'd tell him, I'm not your mom, and I'm not your secretary, and I'm, you know, you've got to remember, you've got to do it. And I wouldn't, the, the bottom line was I didn't really trust him to ever follow through because he just didn't. He didn't remind himself. He didn't have any kind of reminder system. He never wrote a note. He'd sometimes remember. He sometimes wouldn't. And then we'd get in these little tiffs where I'd be going, you said you were going to do that. And he said, well, I meant to, but I forgot. And it was a bad pattern. So we used to joke around. I'd say, I spent the first 10 years of our relationship together raising Rich, getting him out of that self-entitled teenager mode and going into adulthood. But I remember when he finally, I don't even remember what happened, but something made him wake up and smell the coffee. He went and bought a planner and he started using it. He wrote things down. He had a things-to-do list. He'd check things off. And it took me two or three years of him being consistent with that more mature behavior for me to begin to realize he was going to do what he said. Now, what's absolutely hysterical is Rich was an attorney. And in his office, he was absolutely black and white, anal with his scheduling. Attorneys have to have calendars that they... They have double calendaring because they can't miss a calendar date, a court date. So he was very capable of doing that. He just did not do it at home. And when he finally started doing that, it was a huge relief to me. It was a definite growth thing for him. He stopped that dysfunctional pattern of behavior that caused a lot of dominoes to fall of stress between us. And he began to grow up and act more mature and stop looking to me to be the mom or the secretary or the person who had to be responsible all the time. So he 
stopped and looked at that bad pattern of behavior, and it only took him like 10 years, okay? I say that tongue-in-cheek, but it did. And when he finally shifted it and really stepped into it and then consistently did the new behavior over time, he changed his dysfunctional pattern. It helped him. It helped me. It helped us. And it modeled good things for our children, which was awesome. So that's a really good example of somebody taking a look at a dysfunctional pattern. All right, we're going to go to break, and when we come back for the last section of the show, I want to explain to you what a healthy pattern of behavior looks like and how you can begin to do that instead. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and we are talking about patterns. Okay, we've discussed what an unhealthy pattern of behavior looks like, and we've discussed levels of emotional development. So I want you to take those things, and now we're going to talk about how to shift those into something healthier. So let me tell you what a healthy pattern of behavior would look like. Just like an unhealthy pattern, it starts with you feeling okay. You have a kind of a baseline, nothing's happening, you're calm, you're comfortable. Nothing's going wrong. Then again, there's an event or upset. Because I hate to tell you this, guys, but stuff happens in life. Earth school is full of adversity, and it's supposed to be so that we grow. So there's an event or an upset, usually something we don't particularly like. And again, there's difficult feelings. Because that is all normal. So we're not going to stop any of that. So... Here's where it begins to change, though. When you have the difficult feelings, you stop and identify what they are. And you identify them without prejudice. All right? So you're not defining, I feel this way and it's your fault. I feel this way and somebody else did this to me. You're just starting to hold what you're feeling. Um, in my book, I have an entire list of feeling identification. And it's hundreds of feelings. And one of the things I tell people to do is to copy that list. And when you have something difficult that happens, then you start highlighting how you feel. And it's really amazing to figure out that you feel far more than just angry or frustrated. You might feel 20 different things about an event. And so that's a huge way to begin to identify what you're feeling. Um It's just kind of cool. So you write down the things you're feeling. Then what you're going to do is you're going to accept and process those feelings. Instead of being destructive to yourself or others, you're going to try to be understanding and loving to yourself or others. Now, this doesn't mean that you get stupid. doesn't mean that you're going to open the door for everybody to walk on you. This means that instead of acting out and overreacting and doing destructive things like getting drunk or having a temper tantrum or screaming and yelling or having a wobbly in public or unloading on your partner or spanking your child or, you know, doing something destructive, you're going to stop and look at what you feel and start to work on those feelings with self-acceptance and understanding. Now, this is a stage that I call holding the dog poop. And I don't always say the word poop or my 
my producer would beat me. <laughs> so you're going to hold this nasty, fresh, smelly, squishy thing in your hands that is not particularly fun to hold. Okay? This event or upset has happened. You're feeling a whole lot of difficult feelings. That's the dog poop. And you're going to look at it and study it. Where did it come from? What are you feeling? And this is where you don't want to fling it all around the room. You don't want to spread it on somebody else. You don't want to stuff it all over yourself. You don't want to stick it in your heart. You want to hold it, understand it, figure out where it came from, and figure out what it is. Once you have done that, then you can begin to communicate your feelings, communicate your needs in a healthy manner. You can set boundaries. This is what I mean by not being stupid. It is okay to set limits and boundaries. It doesn't mean that you're being mean or nasty or you should let everybody do whatever they want or walk on you. No, you're not stupid. You are looking at how you feel, and this is where you set boundaries or you communicate your needs or you express how you felt and why. And then what you can do is feel like you've done problem solving and handled the situation so you can return to a state of feeling okay. So let's take that example that we felt before with the person who had the head whippy partner. Okay? Uh, so you're feeling okay. You're sitting having dinner with your partner. And we'll take the, the genders of he and she here. Um, she and he are sitting having a lovely dinner, and cute young thing walks by, and he does the head whippy thing, and is kind of like drooling, looking at her. And she feels upset, okay? They were having a great time, and then all of a sudden this happens. And the difficult feelings come flooding in. Feeling, wondering if I'm good enough. Am I as cute as she is? Why does he do that? It feels so disrespectful. Gosh, we're having such a good time, and now he's got to ruin it by you know, putting his attention elsewhere. I would never do that to him. That would be rude. Those are the thoughts going through your head. So the feeling identification is, oh, I'm angry and I feel disrespected and I'm frustrated and I hate it when he does that. And I'm disappointed. We're sitting here having a good time and he kind of puts a damper on it by doing that head whippy thing. So you're holding the dog poop. Right? You recognize that you're feeling all these difficult feelings. And instead of acting out, either doing what I call C&D, a cold and distant, silent treatment, instead of doing that, or instead of acting out and having a wobbly right there at the table and getting all pissy and making a scene, or instead of putting him down and ragging him or whatever, you make a choice. How do I want to handle this in a productive manner? You might say... I'm not saying anything right now here in the restaurant. We'll talk about this later. Or you might feel like you have to talk about it. But you get to make an informed decision and you understand all the things that you're feeling. So you don't start flinging it around the room. You don't start flinging it all over him. You don't stuff it in yourself and say, I'm not good enough. She's prettier. What's wrong with me? I feel inadequate. You hold that steamy handful of nasty stuff and you say this is hard all right i'm going to choose to either handle it now quietly which is a little dangerous especially if there's alcohol involved 
or I'm going to wait and discuss this later when we're in private. And let's say he looks at you and goes, what's the matter? And you go, you know, it bothered me that you did the head whippy thing, but not here is not the place, the time or place to discuss it. Let's talk about it when we get home. Let's not ruin our nice evening. And you put it aside. Okay? So you have chosen a healthy way to communicate what you're feeling. You haven't told yourself you have to shut up and not feel it. You haven't dumped all over him and made a scene. You have said, this is important to me. I don't want this behavior to continue. I want to discuss it with him, but I want to do it in a way that we can have a productive conversation. So you choose to wait. Then when you get home, you say, hey, I want to talk about what happened in the restaurant. And you're explaining in a healthy way how you feel. Uh, one of the podcasts you can go to on my Therapy in a Nutshell podcast, type in Dr. Patricia Bay Therapy in a Nutshell podcast and listen to the podcast called Communication Basics. You also might want to listen to Conflict Resolution and the third one is Fair Fighting. So with if you both have Communication Basics and you can learn it from that podcast, you would sit down and use your skills to talk about how you feel. And your partner would hear you, and you'd answer back and forth, and you'd come to some kind of agreement about how to go forward in the future. But let's say your partner's like a really emotional development level of one, and they're going to blame and be upset and, and say that you're just being a witch, and why are you doing this to me, and you just try and tell me how to behave, and they go off on you. If they're an emotional a very low level of emotional development, you're not going to get very far in getting them to listen to how you feel. But here's what's really important for a healthy level of behavior and a healthy pattern of behavior. You need to know how you feel. And you need to do it differently. So that then you can feel good about yourself and go back to feeling okay. Now, what I did is just identified something that can be difficult. If you are into figuring out your unhealthy patterns of behavior and growing and changing and evolving and becoming better at your patterns of behavior and you have a partner who is extremely undeveloped emotionally, you might outgrow them. And that's scary to people. They'll say, well, I don't want to leave. I don't want to break us up. This is where, again, you have to communicate. You have to say to your partner, Come with me in this emotional growth. I have to be able to talk to you. I have to be able to explain how I feel and have you hear me and not blow me off. So when you read in Therapy in a Nutshell in my book about the different levels of emotional development, if you're a four and he's a one or vice versa, she's a one, it's difficult. And you have trouble talking to them and having yourself be heard So those become what you should be dealing with in therapy. For example, if you go to a really good therapist and say, look, I'm very emotionally developed. I can say how I feel and I can explain what I need. And and all he does is get, uh, or she, my partner, gets blaming and frustrated and angry. And I can't talk. There's no way to have communication. That becomes the therapeutic issue on the table that needs to be dealt with in good therapy. Okay? All right. So I hope you're understanding 
that to change your unhealthy patterns of behavior, you've really got to look at them. You've got to become aware. You have to make decisions to do it differently. And you have to begin to take action so that repeatedly over time, you choose the healthy manner of behaving, not the unhealthy manner. It is really possible, and it's really cool when you start to do it. Self-growth and evolving feels really good and helps you not stare at your past and color your here and now with the old traumas. I hope this show has helped you today. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you are listening to Therapy in a Nutshell, which is copyrighted and exclusive. So thank you very much. I just want to help heal the world one hour at a time. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center.